Are you on? I don't think I had it on. That was my fault. Thank you, Steve. Gracie graduated uh, from homeschool, and it was a pleasure to homeschool her. Very easy to homeschool a child who reads more than you do. Yeah. Um, but she was a, she's an excellent student, very dedicated, very studious. Um, she, the past two years, she has taken dual enrollment classes at Mercyhurst, which yeah. made my job even easier. So she's graduating from high school, I think with a 4.0 or better grade point average, and 28, 29, 29 uh, credits credit. from Mercyhurst University. So she's, um, she did a great job. Very proud of her. Um, proud of her in all the ways. She is taking a gap year. She's like, I got 29 credits. I'm going to take some time off. <laughs> so um, she, and well-deserved time off. She's taking a gap year, and she just got a job at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Chick-fil-A. On 12th Street, if you want to go get waited on <laughs> yes. by the cutest Chick-fil-A employee you ever saw. <laughs> 12th Street, Chick-fil-A, pretty much, I think, Fridays and Saturdays. It's true. I'm sorry. I know. It's just so true. She came out with the black pants and the red shirt, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Sales are going to go up at the 12th Street, Chick-fil-A, because all the boys are going to come and get milkshakes from Grace. Yeah. I know. I know. You're just cringing you just say right it's now. my pleasure. That's you all just you say, my say. pleasure. Right. My pl that's what they say at Chick-fil-A. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Go ahead. You can do Okay. And you now, can embarrass Jensen. <laughs> now to embar embarrass Jensen. So Jensen, <laughs> Jensen uh, Bendig um, is with us. She's graduating from college yes. this year. So she's graduating from Grove City. She's graduating from Grove City College with a Bachelor's of Science in Biochemistry. So you can ask her about that afterwards and what all that means and what all that entails. Uh, and she is going to be headed back down, well, down to Pittsburgh. So she's going past Grove City and going down to Pittsburgh, and she's going to be studying, is it a one-year or two-year program? One. A one-year program to be a certified cytotechnologist. Working in the labs. So she's, what, what does that mean? That means she's going to be working in the labs, uh, testing blood work, uh, doing sonograms with patients, doing all those types of things. So she's going to be behind the scenes and front line, but... Yeah. I don't even know what that means, but I know you do, and you're going to do a fantastic job at it. So let's give her a hand. <clears throat> You'll be getting like it's a board certification, right? So, I mean, those who are in the medical field know that's official stuff, and it's tough to do, and yeah. it's a tough it's training awesome. program. So we're excited. And you leave next weekend? In two weeks, she starts. Okay. So we, let's just stretch out our hands to, to them. We want to pray for them. Heavenly Father, we just lift these young ladies up to you, Lord God. Father, I just praise you and I thank you for your faithfulness. God, you created these girls. Lord, you saw them every step, Father God. You had them in your hearts and in your hands, Lord Jesus, and you continue to make the way for them. Father, I thank you that their hearts are for you, committed to you. Father, I pray for, um, most of all, I just pray that they would always walk in that deep understanding of your love for them. Father God, that your love surrounds them um, on all sides and that they can never get away from it, Lord God. And then, Lord, I pray that you would um, just give them wisdom, Lord Jesus, in every decision, every step that they're taking, Lord God, that they would have the wisdom of heaven, Lord Jesus, and the assurance of your presence, Father, in every every move that they make, Lord God. I 
pray, um, just a hedge of protection around Jensen as she goes to Pittsburgh, as she enjoys that city. Father God, I pray that she would have joy, Lord God. This is serious things, and she's a serious student. Father, I just pray that she would have joy, Lord God, and that you would surround her with a a body of believers, um, Lord, to just... um, be her family, Lord God, and to um, just to partner with her during her time there. And Father, I just pray for grace, Lord, and I just pray for continued joy, Lord Jesus, as she um, just pursues you with her whole heart. Father, I thank you and I praise you for their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Congratulations, guys. There's nothing in there that has to do with books. All right. We're good. Thank you. I told, actually, I didn't, I didn't tease Jensen with this, but I told Grace when she walked in this morning, I was like, oh yeah, by the way, I forgot to tell you, when I invite you up, if you could just give like a five to ten minute full testimony of your life and your walk with Jesus and what he's done for you, and she just looked at me, and she knew right away, she's like, dad, <laughs> you're messing with me, you're right, I am messing with you, I love to do that. Okay, we're going to continue to worship the Lord uh, with our tithes and our offerings, and I just want to read a scripture out of 2 Kings 4, and 2 Kings 4 has been part of our reading, if you're uh, following along reading with us, and this is about uh, the woman who's, whose husband passed away, and she needed the Lord to move on behalf in her life, and how many of you know, we, a lot of us have challenges and issues, and, and, and even with Grace and Jensen, you know, where they're going, their next steps, there will be challenges, but when I read this story, I just want you to think about your life situation, what's going on, and what God can really do and move in your life. It starts in verse 1. It says this, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, saying, your servant, my husband is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Don't just gather a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, and then pour into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. And so she went from him, shut the door behind him, her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. And now it came to pass, verse 6, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another vessel. The oil has ceased. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons shall live on the rest. And I think of that situation where sometimes we're in desperate situations. And what did she do? She called out to God. Now she called out to a man of God, but she called out to God. He gave her some instructions. And it's interesting that the instructions were was what was going on right in front of her. You got this one jar. Use what's right in front of you. And she was obedient to do what the, what the Lord had told her to go do and look at the results. God began to multiply. It wasn't her that was doing the multiplication. It was God that was doing the multiplication. And all she had to do was, in faith, gather up the empty jars. Amen? She just had to gather up those empty jars. So let's pray. Uh, this morning over our finances. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we can trust in you. We thank you, Lord, that when we call out for help, you answer. Lord, we trust in you 
Father, we will do what you've asked us to go do, whether it's regarding our finances or relationships. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that when we do that, Father, you are the multiplier. You are the one that takes what's not enough and makes it more than enough. And so we thank you for it. And Father, we just pray for this message today, that you would bless it and anoint it in your precious name we pray. Amen? Amen. Okay, thank you, Chet. All right, open your Bibles with me to Genesis. We're going to read a little bit in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and then we're going to jump over to the New Testament. If you want to get yourself ready over there, we're going to read just a verse in Colossians and then also in Ephesians uh, verse 5. So quite a few scriptures this morning, uh, but I've just been so blessed that healing, I mean, impromptu healing service uh, last Sunday, these testimonies were fantastic about what God is doing. And can I just tell you that Father's Day is one of my favorite days of the year? I bet you guys didn't know that. I absolutely love Father's Day. I love my family and my kids, and they know that I love it, and they always try to make it so special, and they do, and I always have a wonderful time. Uh, and what I want to talk this morning is, I want to talk to all of us, not just the men or not just the fathers, but I really want to talk to all of us, but the message this morning is going to be related or kind of pointing to men and pointing to not just men, but husbands and fathers, uh, but the ladies and even the young people, you all can get something out of this this morning because it really has to do with the Lord's goodness and faithfulness in our life and how we can learn how to love uh, one another. Amen? So the title for this message is Reverse the Curse. Reverse the Curse. You say, well, what are you talking about, Pastor Jason? What does this even mean? So I want to I talk to you about something that this message, actually just the beginning part, this, this beginning part of the message I heard from someone, I want to give Pastor Dan Backens the credit for this, but we were at a marriage seminar in North Carolina uh, last February, and he presented something to us theologically in the Bible about marriage, about a man and a wife, about a husband uh, and a wife that I had never heard before, and it was so good, and it was so, just, it just impacted me so much that I wanted to share that initial portion with you, and then I want to move into something that the Lord has showed me, uh, really to how to live that out in our life. So Genesis 1, and I want to start our reading here in the Bible, this is before the fall, this is before sin. And it's interesting that God talks about a man and a woman being together, being united, being supportive, having dominion together, and working and doing things together. So let's read this in Genesis 1, starting in chapter 26. And God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion, interesting, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. He blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over all the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
And if you really begin to look at that scripture, it's interesting. This is, again, before sin, before the curse, God's intention for marriage was dominion, blessing, togetherness, compatibility, companionship, all those words was before. It's how it was ordained, how God wants it to be, how it was originally designed to be. So skip with me to Genesis 2, and this recounts the creation of the woman, starting in verse 18. And the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. <laughs> Rich, somebody said amen to that. <laughs> it's, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Interesting enough. So when Eve was made, it was, it was comparable to Adam. They were companions. They were like this perfect balance. They were like these skill sets of one and the skill sets of another. They were uniquely created to balance each other, to be compared with each other in an equal sense. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Whatever Adam called each living creature was its name. Verse 20. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Again, this comparable, suitable, balanced, together, unified to him. And God caused, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept, took out one of his ribs, closed up his flesh in his place. When the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. So you just think of that picture of the garden, that picture of this perfect unity, exactly as God created it, comparable, dominion they were to do together and take over together. Then, the fall. Genesis 3, starting in verse 16. Actually, I'm just going to read verse 16. It says this, to the woman he said, so now the fall has happened, sin has happened, and now the Lord is speaking to Adam and Eve, and he is going to talk about what now is the desires of your flesh, given now that the fall has happened. It's how it was perfectly created to be, and now because of sin, here is how it's going to try to play out without Jesus. Are you ready? To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception, in pain you will bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband. And I will stop there for a minute. And I think what most of us, when we read this, we think, oh, the guys are like, mm-hmm. She's going to desire me. This is going to be fantastic. Right? This is what marriage is going to be. The fall happened. Yeah, but it, the God, Bible says... She's going to desire me. And like you get really excited about this. 
But that actual word, do you know the second time that it's used in the Bible, the next time it's used, in reference to Cain and Abel, and it's talking about the desire of sin to control and overtake Cain's life. This is the curse. This is not the blessing. This is the curse. This, it, what it's saying is our flesh, the lady's flesh in this case, has a desire to control her husband. I, okay, I should have prefaced this message. If you're, sta- if you're sitting here with your spouse, okay, there is going to be no elbow, because we're going to get both of you, okay? It's, we're going to hit equal parties equally on Father's Day, okay? So there's going to be no elbow jabs like, mm-hmm, I told you so. Yep, I've been trying to quote that scripture forever, controlling me, blah, 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 okay? But what it's saying is, is that when the fall happened, this perfect relationship, now because of the flesh, the woman's desire is to control the husband. And then she talks to the guys. And it says, now the guy, he shall rule over you. And, what, and so the guy's just like, mm-hmm, yeah, this is going to be great. Not only is she going to desire me, but now I get to rule over her. Guys, that was the curse. God is speaking, this is, he's talking about what the natural flesh will want to do, what we have to reject. Well, we have to say no more. No, not this. It is not the guy to be dominating over the woman, to be ruling over the woman. That's the fall. That's the curse. That's not God's intention for marriage. It's not God's design for marriage. It's not what he originally wants or what he has for us. To lord, that word means to lord over, to dominate, not to listen, to get our way. That's not a picture of marriage. That's not a picture of a great relationship. So we have a slide up here, just in case you didn't capture the point here so far. The curse, the fall, is the woman's desire is to control the man. And the man's desire, innately, is to dominate the woman. And if you, I mean, we've done marriage things, and we've heard marriage counseling, and we've, you know, helped people through marriages, and many times... This is one of the biggest challenges in marriage. And so you're like, well, thank goodness we don't have to stay there. Amen? Thank goodness we don't have to stay there. So flip with me to the New Testament. Because we got to get out of the Old Testament right now. Right? Because from, from what, that was in Genesis. So you think about all this time, this challenge of our flesh. We, we say, Lord, we need Jesus. But let's look at what happens, God's intention for marriage in the New Testament, and what he wants to do, what, how he wants us to act in our life to reverse the curse. To say, you know what, there are things in the Bible that the Lord is asking me and commanding us to do, both men and women, but I'm talking a little bit more to the men today, what he wants us to go do so that we need to forcefully push down that flesh and say, you know what, I'm going to love and I'm going to serve as God has instructed me to do. Because my flesh wants to do it that way. That's what the flesh wants. But now that we're in the New Testament, now we've got the Spirit on the inside of us, we can live and operate in a new way. So Colossians 3, 
I want to read verse 18 and 19. So here is reversing the curse. Here is what God is intending for us to say we need to put down the flesh and here's what we need to go do. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. This is the redemptive reversal of control. It's really the opposite of control. To go against the instinct of control, it says, therefore, we shall submit to our husbands. And I'm going to talk a little bit about more in a minute what that means. That does not mean you can submit to your husband when he is cruel to you and beating you and all this other stuff. It's a whole other message that's counseling type stuff. But verse 19 says this, husbands love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Husbands love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. So this is how we clean up this mess of sin. This is the new way. The new way, the blessing, the blessing here is a desire for a woman to submit to the man, but a man's desire to serve the woman. And what you'll notice is all throughout scripture is he talks to the man about serving and loving and then talks to the woman about submitting. And you understand that men, as leaders of the home, we have to start the cycle. I'm sorry, guys. We have to start the cycle. When we begin to love, when we begin to serve, when we begin to act like Jesus in our marriages and to our children and as fathers and as men, when we start that cycle, the other cycles begin to happen in our lives and in our relationships. Not that women don't have influence in the relationship because they do, but it's interesting to me that when you read it in the new scripture, he constantly is talking. It's like wives submit to your husbands, or to your husbands, and then husbands love your wives, and then he gives this entire narrative about how to go do that. So turn with me to Ephesians 5. We're going to talk about how to do this. Men, how can we love our wives? How, and really this applies to our kids as well, how can we love our children? Ephesians 5, starting in verse 25. This is symbolic in a lot of ways. It's talking about marriage. It also really applies to many different things because it's talking about Christ and the church. So what it's doing is showing how Christ loved the church, which models how a man shall love his wife, which models how a father should love his children, how a mom should love the children. It just models this completely and totally out in these different points here that I have this morning. Ephesians 5. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So the first point here out of verse 25 is the first thing we have to do to love our wives and our kids as men, as husbands and fathers, number one is we have to sacrifice for them. Christ sacrificed for the church Men, we need to sacrifice for our families. And what do you mean by that? What does that look like today? Man, it depends on the relationship. It depends on what's going on in your home. It depends on your family. For me, it means a couple things. That instead of watching the football game, which I really want to watch, can I sacrifice and watch a movie with the family? Sometimes I want to say something. Can I sacrifice and not say something even though I want to say something. 
There are little decisions we make throughout. This isn't like a big thing. This isn't like, you know, the sacrifice. I'm going to lay down my life in front of my family when, you know, somebody comes in trying to shoot up my house. Okay. That's like naturally that will probably happen as it's all happening. But that's not what this is talking about. This means every day a sacrifice. Little by little you're making decisions in your life to sacrifice what you want in order for them. That you make these decisions, and they can be little ones. It can be little ones. It can be simple. Hey, Dad, I'd like to listen to a different song. Yeah, but I love the song, but I can listen to a different one. I'm not saying you have to do everything that they want to do all the time. But the sense that Jesus Christ sacrificed for the church says that we, too, then need to sacrifice for our families. We have to put down the flesh even when we don't want to which is a difficult thing to do. The Bible says we have to die to ourselves when? When? Daily. This isn't like a big event. This is like every single day. Moms, you guys are all usually really, really good at this sacrifice thing because you guys sacrifice your sleep, your livelihood sometimes, your careers, all this stuff. But men, there's a piece of this sacrifice that we have to do as well. Verse 26, it's the one we have to sacrifice for them. Verse 26 is that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. I'm not saying you got to wash your wife's feet, but that would be great. However, what I am saying is that we need to speak life over them. Not only do we have to sacrifice for our families, men, we have to speak life life over them. Look at that. That we sanctify and cleanse them with the washing of our word. Men, we stand and sit in authority by God's design over our families. And what we say has a huge impact in our home. We have a choice whether to speak a curse or whether to speak a blessing over our wives, over our children, over our homes, over every situation. The Lord has been encouraging me more and more. He has given me authority over situations, and it's time that I take it. Men, you have authority over situations in your home. It's time you take it. You know, we always we want this big battle to fight, and we're men, and we love gladiators, and all these great movies we want to watch. But the thing about all those things is they're fighting a battle. Well, guess what? Your family is not who you should be fighting. Your kids are not who you should be battling. It's the enemy. So take authority over that enemy and speak life over your family. And men, if you are speaking to your child that they're a problem and that they're a pain and that they're crazy, you are speaking that over their life. You are actually allowing them to fulfill what you're speaking over them. You need to change the language that you speak over your life. Change the language that you speak over your spouse and over your family and over your children. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. How much more so are life and death in the power when you have authority in a certain situation? You want to speak positive words over them. You want to encourage them. We've given that story before about Eva, how we called her, it's just sweet Eva. 
We, didn't, we, we weren't seeing sweet Eva, but we began to speak into existence a positive blessing over their life. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to have 16 scriptures memorized. But every day when I drop my kids off at school, five of them come here to this amazing school here at Leadership Christian Academy. They say this, Dad, will you bless me? Every day. Dad, will you bless me? And I do one simple thing. They all get out of the car, they line up, and I just take my hand, and I put my thumb, and I put a little cross on their forehead, and say, be blessed, baby, have a great day. That's it. I don't recite the Psalms over them, or speak Romans 8 over them, or pray in the Spirit over them. I just say a blessing over them. All five of them. And it's interesting, they want me to do that with them at night as well. So dads, I would encourage you, just speak a blessing over your kids. Bless them when they're sleeping. Bless them when they're awake. Walk by their room and bless them. Speak life over them. Verse 27 says that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. And what popped out of this to me was the Lord speaking to us is that we as men, as fathers, as husbands, we need to develop them. We need to see the gifts and the talents that are in our spouses, that are in our kids, and not only just speak life into them, but encourage them, help them to develop the skill sets that they have in their life. The Lord had told me a while back that this is one of the major things he was going to hold me accountable for. My relationship with him, of course, first. My relationship with my wife, second, of course. But third, he, he asked me, he said, will you develop your children in me and in their gifts and in their talents? And I believe as, as fathers, we need to see that in our kids. Even from the youngest age, you will begin, ask the Lord. Say, Lord, because we have eight of them. So I'm always asking, Lord, well, what's, you know, what do you want us to develop in Jairus? What do you want us to develop in Ruby? And the Lord begins to reveal that. And there's natural gifts and talents that he has given your children to develop. We talked about Jake is a great example up here this morning, yeah? An anointing, a gifting, a talent that was developed by mom and dad helped get him to develop that. There's probably times where he wanted to quit. I'm done. I want to be done with this. And mom and dad are like, mm-mm, there's a talent here. We want to nurture this. We want to see this move forward. We have to help them to see that God loves them and cares for them. And that they are worthy of his love. Verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. So men, fathers, we need to nourish and cherish them. To nourish and cherish them. Can I be honest, this is the one that I probably struggle with the most of all of these, 
So you don't have to ask my family. They already know this. But this is, like, we all have one of these to work on. Some of us have a couple to work on. I've got a couple to work on. So don't be overwhelmed by it, but find one of these. Grab a hold and say, Lord, I need to get better in this situation. But nourishing and cherishing them, what does that look like? Well, if we're reversing the curse and going the other way, then this is what it looks like. It means to be gentle with our family. And sometimes I'm not so gentle at home with our family. I'm not so gentle with our kids. I'm not so gentle with my wife. But if you're going to nourish and cherish something, think about that. If you had a flower that you wanted to nourish and cherish, and you're going to speak life over it, but you're going to take care of it, are you not? You're actually going to make an effort to see it grow. You're going to take an effort to pull out the weeds that are trying to take it out. You're going to make an effort to make sure it's watered, to make sure it has sunlight. How much more so should we make that effort with our family that God has given us? And we need to cherish it. Not only do we nourish it, but we have to cherish it. And I know, guys, and some of you, I'm not saying anything's wrong with having, you know, fancy sports cars. But there are times in our life, and I've done this with sports and other things, that we cherish more this thing than we are our own family. Mm, We cover it up and we make it all nice. We don't want it to get rained on. We only bring it out on special occasions. And we take all this care and effort to protect something that isn't even a living thing. Yet God calls us to nourish and cherish our family, our spouse and our kids, those who God has placed right in front of us, to make an effort to do that on a daily basis. And then verse 30, Jake, if you want to come back up, I'm going to close with this. It says, for we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And if you notice, that's the exact same wording that was used back in Genesis It's the exact same wording that was used to describe the relationship as God initially created and intended it to be. To leave and to cleave. To put the things, the distractions of the world behind and to prioritize our families. To leave the other stuff behind. Sure, it's great we go play softball and we have, you know, guys go hunting and they do all these things. I'm not saying we don't have to do those. But what I'm saying is that they need to be in the right priority order in our life. God first, spouse second, our children third, and then all the other stuff, whatever that might be. Then verse 32, he ends with this, and this is the great mystery But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you, in particular, so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. It just talked about how a man has to love, to serve, to love, to serve, to care, to nourish. And it's only just one line about the wife respecting her husband. 
And I know this is a cycle and it goes through with love and respect back and forth. But men, I'm challenging you this morning that you start that wheel. That you start a different cycle. Maybe you're in a bad cycle, maybe you're in a good cycle. But I'm encouraging you men this morning to start a different cycle if one needs to be started. Of love and of serving, of cherishing, of nurturing, of sacrifice, of all the things the Lord commands us to go do. And I leave you with this, men, you have a spiritual authority in your home, and I want you to use it. I want you to take the spiritual authority that God has given you and use it to fight the enemy. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the principalities and powers of darkness. And so we have a battle to fight. We have an enemy that's right in front of us day in and day out. And men, it's time to wield our swords against the enemy and not against our family. I just ask all the fathers to stand up this morning. Actually, all the men stand up. All the ladies, if you want to stretch your hands out to them. I just want to pray for the men this morning. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just lift these men up to you, including myself. Father, we thank you that you are the perfect model, Father, for each of us. That we can run to you, we can turn to you, we can call to you. Father, your word says you, you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. So, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you are showing and teaching us how to love and how to serve others. How to lay down our lives in a sacrificial way. How to speak life over our families. How to nurture, how to nourish, how to cherish. Father, I ask, Lord, that you would give us a boldness moving forward from this Father's Day, a boldness to speak life, to speak your word, and to take up the fight against the enemy. So, Lord, I ask for boldness for each, each guy in here who's standing, Lord, a boldness to fight the battle that you have called him to. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Everybody stand with me. I'm going to read this benediction. There's some prayer teams that will be coming up to the front. Don't forget we've got some uh, coffee cake. Lots of different flavors. Good coffee cake. Good coffee, tea, water. All the things that uh, are out there to enjoy. Prayer teams will be up here. If you need prayer for salvation. Maybe you never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Maybe you need prayer for healing or relationship, strength in any way. Just come up here. They'll be able to pray with you this morning. Let me just read this benediction over you as we close. Now to him who is able, he's able, with his help, with his strength, 
This stuff is not, we're not able to do this on our own, men. By his strength, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, the power works in us because of him and through him. So to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen and amen. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful night.